from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello and welcome along to chapter 33. Did I say that right? 33. Trucker tree. <laughs> of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray and his name is Graham Merrow Merrigan. Woo! How are you? Great, Danny. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. Enjoyed this. Enjoyed this chapter. Yeah, this this is a bit of a different one. Um, we'll we'll give you a full breakdown of everything now. But before we do that, we need to let you know that we're brought to you in association by the wonderful and beautiful Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Cloyney, South Dublin. Beautiful Dublin. Beautiful Ireland. Best lads, county in all of Ireland. Best county in the world. Um, lads, February's nearly over. So you're running out of time to take advantage of a great offer. If you book your party in the Dungeon Bar, free complimentary finger food for you and your guests. Get on it. Great people. Graham. Yeah. We're on the, the doorstep of a general election. Yeah. Uh, a, a rare phenomena in in Irish world. And by rare phenomena, I mean... It has to happen at least once every five years. <laughs> so it's not really that rare at all, is I it? I love voting. I love the election time. I've become a little bit of a geek for it. And this chapter of What's the Story podcast is uh, to help you, the listener, especially those in the Dunleary area, to form an educated opinion on some of your candidates. So to give you an idea of what's happened, um, we reached out to not all, but most, um, the candidates over the Dunleary constituency, all the major parties were contacted. Um, most of the candidates were contacted. Some candidates never got back to us. Um, some candidates got back to us and said that they wouldn't do it. And thankfully, um, so that we can actually have this chapter, <laughs> yeah. three candidates did. So <laughs> you will be able to hear from Shane O'Brien of Sinn Féin, Cormac Devlin of Fianna Fáil, and from Renewa Ireland, Frank Cronin. So, to kind of give you an idea of what's what, we did contact a Labour Party candidate, which is Carrie Smith. She was unable to do it. She we did contact two Fine Gael candidates, Maria Bailey and Mary Mitchell O'Connor. Um, Maria Bailey didn't get back to us, and Mary Mitchell O'Connor um, did reply. Well, her, her, I presume her secretary or her yeah. assistant uh, uh, replied and gave us a contact number to contact, which uh, was out of service. Um, Carrie Smith... Too busy. Replied, too busy. just couldn't agree a time. It's just too busy. Too busy. Which um, look, we hey, didn't reach out to the independent candidate. Carl Hunt. Which, uh, yeah. apologies, Carl. Um, and we didn't reach out to Oshin Timon. Is it Oshin? I think it's Oshin. O-S-S-A-I-N. I think that's a weird way of spelling Oshin. Okay, well, that guy. From the Green Party. Is um, it the Green Party? I thought he was independent as well. Sorry. No, I think he's part of the hippies. I mean, Greens. Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, I suppose... We, we, we just wanted to get the main parties. I was going to say, what we, we were, were trying like to... RTE. Yeah, what we were trying <laughs> to do was we were trying to narrow the field down. Look, I'm not saying this to be bad to the other candidates. I'm not saying that they can't offer anything that others can. But we have to be realistic about the Dunleary constituency in the sense that it's a four-seater constituency. However, Sean Barrett, as Kevin Carla, is entitled to have his seat in the 32nd Dáil without having to stand election because he was Kevin Carla. So that's one seat gone. 
Then you have to look at it and you'll say, okay, so it's a four-seater. It's technically down to a three-seater. There's 117,000-odd people going to vote in this constituency. Mary Mitchell O'Connor is pretty much guaranteed her seat back. Whether we like it or not, that's that's up to you. That's up to the voters. But she is more or less guaranteed <laughs> her seat back. And then you'd have to look at it. probably say the same decision by Paddy Power that Richard Boy Barrett is probably... I was going to say. As well. I was going to say the next person who was favourite to retain their seat, or to get a seat, but retain obviously being the apt word, would be Richard Boyd Barrett, who we didn't feel the need to invite on this time around because we had had Richard Boyd Barrett on previously. So and he gave us a taste of some of his um, kind of policies. Be- yeah, before he, he let so. us know what he was about. Like yeah, um, at that stage, obviously the general election hadn't been called. Plus, I was talking to Richie; he doesn't mind. Yeah. Um, Graham's a friend of Richard. We feel, in the interest of fairness, we need to. You'd be a, a friend supporter. Hey, I'm voting Richie in the story. There you go. Um, I knew who was voting before we decided to put this out, so. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not shy about that. Absolutely. And look, in the interest of fairness, I don't see there's any any real deal. Like, we're not. Or is he just the other beauty of it? We're not RTE. We're not 3FM. We're not News Talk. We're not TV3. We are not. For want of a better way of putting this, we don't have to play ball to the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland's rules and regulations pertaining to fairness and unbiased coverage of a general election. We can do what the hell we want. We're on, <laughs> we're on Tinternet. And therefore, we have a license tomorrow. So long as we're not defaming anybody and we're not being slanderous of anybody, we, we can say things that maybe other people can't. We don't have to give as much time to one candidate as we do the other. We don't have to be fair and balanced in terms of, you know, we gave this person a chance to talk about this, but we didn't give this person a chance to, to, to reply to that. Um, in the Like, in the interest of being decent folk, I think we've tried to do as much of that as we can. Yeah. But in terms of expressing our personal opinion on who we want to vote for and that kind of thing, we can do so. But you can't because you're undecided. I am undecided. Even after speaking to a number of candidates in this process, I'm still undecided. So, Well, I'm, I'm up in the air. Well, no, I'm not really up in the air. But I will be voting for Sinn Féin and People Before Profit in our area. Okay, so um, you th- they've done enough to win you over. They've done enough to win me over. Um, I remain unconvinced by both. Yeah, well, they've done enough for me. Um, I... I think I will be only voting one or two, one and two. I think I'll be leaving the rest blank. Okay. Um, can you tell me? Yeah. Like, if I vote, if I if I vote you number one. Yeah, which you should do. Vote Annie Murray number one. And if I vote me number two. Vote Graham Erdogan number two, or give him my. T- you know what? What what happens there? Okay, so like, I can get your transfers. Yeah, so it's a system that's called proportional representation. So what that means is that when you go into your ballot box, you'll get a sheet of paper with all the candidates on it, and essentially you number them in preference of who you would want to see elected first. So in Britain, they have a first-past-the-post system, but over here we don't, so it's different. So what will happen is, let's just say that the quota to get elected is 10,000 votes. Do we know what the quota is? We won't until the 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 the, the, the day. Oh, the tally. Yeah, I think it goes down to, to like voter turnout, that kind of thing, etc., etc., etc. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, I think in the last election, I think it was actually like eleven thousand nine hundred. But let's just say, for the sake of it, it's ten thousand. All right. That would mean I I get twelve thousand. I mean, I would have two thousand transfers available. 
which could then, if you are number two, be given to you. And so on and so forth down the line. So then if you get elected then, so let's say you have 8,700 first preferences and then you get my 2,000 second preferences. So that puts you over. Your surplus then goes down the line to the number threes, the number fours, the number fives, and so on until all the seats are filled. So in this case, four seats, but technically only three because Sean Barrett's a Carla and he doesn't have to stand election. So in the last general election, Eamon Gilmore got returned first in the Dunleary constituency. His surplus was Dermot Divido. I think it was Mary Mitchell O'Connor was the next in. Um, then it was Sean Barrett, I think. Or Sean Barrett and Mary Mitchell O'Connor might have been the other way around. Yeah. But either way, it's two for And then it went down I think it was to... was Mary Mitchell's O'Connor's first candidate. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I seem to remember that. Um, and then it went down to, for the fourth seat, um, which was basically a head-to-head between Richard Boyd Barrett, People for a Profit, and Ivana Bagic, or Bacic, of, of Labour. And there was a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, but there was certainly... Um, yeah, she wanted a recount. Was, I think there was demands of a recount, there was issues, but then eventually she conceded. Richard Boyd Barrett got in on the fourth count on the process of everybody else had been eliminated. He didn't actually reach the quota. So that can happen also. So yeah. if it comes down to the last seat and all other candidates have been eliminated, but you haven't hit the quota... If you've got the most out, if you, effectively if you're the last person standing, you get in that way. Do you think um, the bookies odds would suggest? And just I'm just asking about Richard Boy Barrett here, because he. The reason I ask as well is because he was so he, he narrowly got in the last time. Do you think it's a testament, possibly to his work done over the last five years, that he's now a, a, a favourite at one to seven? I. Well, he's not Mary Mitchell O'Connor's favourite at 1-14. Oh, oh, she? She's 14-1 to one on. Well, yeah. we're a Fianna Gael, Fianna Gael uh, stronghold, really, isn't it? Yeah, historically, this, this county has been, or this constituency, rather, has been Fianna Gael stronghold, along with a little bit of Fianna Fáil. Um, essentially, it was started in 1948, so the 13th doll, one year before we officially became a republic. Um, and it's been going ever since. There has been border recommissions, and there's been constituency redrawns and that kind of thing so that the number of voters in the area has Increased. fluctuated gone yeah. up and down from time to time it's gone from four seater to a five seater and back to a four seater again but you've always had a consistent in the sense of you've always had a Fianna Gael or you've always had like you had the Andrews family who hmm. almost had a monopoly so you had uh, uh, Barry, Bar- Barry and Andrews and David Andrews David Andrews for who was Dave to- McSavage's brother and father there you go comedian um, the Savage Eye there you go um, so you had the Andrews family, who I think it was over 30 years they held a seat in this constituency, which is phenomenal when you think about it, but it also asks the question of, you know, nepotism within Irish politics. But that's a completely different battle. That's not what we're here to talk about. Mm. Um, so He's 1-7. to seven. He's 1-7. to seven, um, And I think I wouldn't like to, to, to almost insult him by saying it's just over the last five years. I think I'm fair. And I, I openly admit it, and I said it when we had Richard Boy Barrett on, I didn't vote for him at all in the last time around. told him in his face. <laughs> I do, well, look, I'm going to be open and honest about it. I didn't vote for him at all in the last time. Um, I, I wouldn't like to say it's just over the last five years he's done a lot of work yeah. to carve himself out. I think what he's done very well is he's carved out a niche oh, in the, within this area that he's got this core support that are... I, I don't know, to, to try and describe, I suppose, we're almost like football fans in the sense that they actually support him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, like, that is a very fair, and it's a good, good yeah, explanation. Yeah, he, he does have this 
course analogy is that the word analogy it's yeah, a good yeah. analogy he has this core support that you don't see with some of the other politicians in this area in the sense that the people who are behind him are passionate about being behind him which i think is a very hard thing to do so the fact that Especially he has politics. yeah so the fact that he has that would certainly lead me to believe that he rightfully is odds on to retain his seat which means of the four seats we're down to one left yeah and that one then is to be fought out between Frank Crowland of Renewa, Shane O'Brien of Sinn Féin, uh, Maria Car- Bailey of Fianna Gael, Carol Hunt, Carol Hunt the Independent, Cormac Devlin of Fianna Fáil, Mary Hannafin, former Minister and TD of Fianna Fáil, you know, uh, Oshin Who we Pimmon. actually didn't reach out to. Uh, no, we didn't because we got Cormac Devlin instead and I wasn't bringing two Fianna Fáilers on. Yeah. Same way I wouldn't bring two Fianna Gaelers on, I wouldn't bring... just no. One, but we one asked enough. Maria and Mary Mitchell Connor. Well, that's because uh, Mary Mitchell couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. You know. I get you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the outgoing government parties are not represented at all in this podcast because they, they didn't come on. Now, I'm not I'm not trying to say that in a kind of like, they didn't come on, how dare they? Yeah. I'm saying it in a kind of, look, it's election time. They're very, very busy. They may not just genuinely have had, you know, and uh, to, to peel back the curtain a little bit, we record in the evening time, which may be a time that they see more valuable to be out on the doorsteps. Yeah. We don't know. Like, Look, they have their reasons. Like the evening we interviewed Frank Cronin, where he left us and went straight out to a canvas. Straight out canvassing again. That's that's mm. the type of man he is. He said, look, lads, I'd love to stay and have a longer chat with us, but i got to get out there and i got to, you know, meet people and hear what they want in this area. I think so. it's interesting to note as well, we didn't want to use, when interviewing the, the three candidates, we didn't want to use the Vincent Brown or Pat Kenny style. We still wanted to stick to our sit-down-at-the-pub type of chat. But yeah. we did ask... Yeah, we tried to ask, you know... We did ask the the, the questions that yeah. we felt were, I were worth asking. I was disappointed in myself that I, I missed out on some. I am, I am, in the but sense that... the time just flew by. Yeah, it did. Like we, Essentially, we've given an hour to each candidate. So the way that... You're going to hear this intro no matter which one you're listening to. So if you listen to all three, you can fast forward the intro, essentially. But we're going to basically release the three candidates at once. This intro will be uniform to all of them. But obviously the candidate speaking then would be different. We've tried to ask pretty much the same questions, but on some candidates it veered a different way. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you will know that myself and Graham in particular are quite fond of if a tangent comes along, jumping on board and going with it. So, you know, we try to be fair, we try to be open, we try to be as relaxed as possible while asking questions that we think people would want to hear. The whole idea of this one, because we're not... A political podcast, and I don't claim to be a political expert in any way, shape, or form. I do. That's fine. <laughs> <Money> <laughs> <job>. <laughs> what we were trying to do was to give people an idea of why they should. Because look, even if they aren't on the doorsteps, you don't always see a pol- you don't always hear from a politician. Like you mightn't be in when they call to your door, so all you get is a leaflet in the door. You know what I mean? So what we we're trying to do was to give you a chance to learn about a candidate in a way that isn't just on, you know. Vincent Brown or Sean O'Rourke or Pat Kenny or, or Ray Darcy or whatever the case may be. This is just, look, why should we vote you? That, like literally one of the questions we asked on every single candidate is, why should a number one be put beside your name? Did, did When we haven't finished the interviews, yeah. are you still undecided? Very much so. Yeah. I think I've, I've more questions than answers, if I'm being perfectly honest about it. Yeah. Um, they were all lovely people. Yeah. As people, they're all lovely, but rather I agree with their policies or rather I agree with their ideas. 
I'm not so sure. And that's up to me now over the next few days to decide who am I going... Because I am going to vote. Yeah. I, I do see it as uh, not so much a duty, but I do think, look, you have a vote, use it. Um, even if you are disillusioned, use your vote, make it count. Because if you don't, then when it comes to the next five years and you want to have a whinge and a moan, you've done nothing to influence that. All you're doing is cribbing. Yeah. Use your vote. So... Um. I was talking to a few people um, in work and I was asking them where they voting but yeah. a couple of them were saying they're not registered and It's too late now I know it's too late but my point the, the reason I bring it up is that the hassle to get registered is crazy Like It's not that much hassle You need to go to the Garda station you need to go to the yeah. council you need to get a stamp That's You don't have to go to the Garda station or the council I thought you had to go to the one, someone told me in work that you had to get the form from the Garda station the stamp and then bring it to the council No you can post it I only know because I went through this with my girlfriend before the, the, the same-sex referendum last year. Okay, so tell us where, the procedure. Well, essentially what we done, we went to the post office, got the form, filled it in, brought it to the guards, got a stamp, put it in the post, and she was registered, on checkedregister.ie. Yeah, surely it could be something easier, though. On Why do you need to get a guard stamp? Same reason you have to get your passport stamped by a guard. Why? To verify who no, you are. No, I know, but... Well, so you're suggesting there should be an online system where any Tom, Dick or Harry can go in and then it leaves it out. No, but you've got your PPS number. Okay. So why don't you just register with your PPS number? Okay, and how would you do that? Online? Yeah. So what if I got somebody else's PPS number? Yeah, I suppose so. You know what I mean? Don't be attacking me. I'm no, only I'm bringing it up. No, I'm just saying. I'm only bringing it up because I never had to register. I was yeah. automatically, my polling card was sent out. So Which I didn't know. And I think that is the one actually through PPS numbers, funnily enough. I, I think that automated one, but... I didn't... That was over 10 years ago yeah. I didn't know the procedure for registering I was just asking people over lunch are you voting yeah. and they said no I, I still have to register I don't know I think some and people I just, they told me and I was like geez, that sounds like a rigmarole I don't know and I'm not saying this is the case for, for the people you're talking to but I think some people like to make mountains out of molehills and I think they like to make what is a fairly straightforward process a bit like when I moan to you about having to edit this podcast straightforward process but I like to have a moan about it so that it seems like it's a lot more than it is <laughs> and therefore I have to justify putting so much time do you know what I mean yeah. I think that might play a part in it but um, are you going to apologise about attacking me there no I'm not going to apologise about attacking you there was a tone in your voice there which I didn't find acceptable that's alright you don't have to find it acceptable yeah, but the tone, the tone is there like. just you know it's alright are we going to air our dirty laundry on this podcast <laughs> is that how it's going I don't know <laughs> um, but like uh, yeah, no, if if there was a town, I do apologise. <laughs> it was more so I just, I I don't know, I just get frustrated when people presume things are more difficult than they are without actually... I, I just thought when they described it to me, I was thinking, like if I, wanna, if I want to apply for any tax or whatever like that, you just yeah. give your PBS number, you know, and it's it's given to you. And yeah, but it's a different, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? I don't understand that phrase. I don't like. Sorry, this is completely off topic. But what what exactly is a kettle of fish, and why is it different to other kettles of fish, and why do people compare things in kettle of fish? Padre Flynn loves all those sayings because yeah. he doesn't know what they mean. I don't know. Like I've heard that. It's not just me that says that. I've heard that saying so many times, but I've absolutely no idea what it's in a kettle of fish. Are fish measured in kettles? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's a school of fish, isn't it? So a different school of. Fish. I don't know. I don't know. Man. Gone off on a tangent there. Sorry. Um. So look, it's not that hard to register. It's not. Register in time. It's not. Look, there's going to be other... What about if you've moved house and you need to get your polling card to the new address? Is you that, need, you need is to that hassle? It. No, you can just update it online there. That's a different story altogether as far as I know. Now, I haven't... I, I don't know because I've never had to do it. I've always yeah. been in this constituency. 
But either way, if it's a case that your polling card, if you haven't updated your details, you're still entitled to vote in, in the other constituency. So, for example, if you live in Wicklow, but you are registered in Dunleary, yeah. it's not like you lose your vote, just you have to vote in Dunleary yeah, rather yeah, than... Yeah. So, you know... Brock, um, that's Brock. Brock's after he's moving. He's after moving the Greystones. So there you go, there's he an never, example. Yeah, he never changed yeah. the house, so he has to go to um, vote up in here. Up that's here it. In but I suppose to come back on to kind of this constituency of Dunleary, and I suppose I know unconscious the fact there's people who are listening who aren't from the Dunleary constituency, but like our South Korean listeners, like our South. Shout out to the lads. <laughs> <laughs> I must learn some South Korean yeah, words yeah. now. Like if if there are Russian listeners, which someone suggested that we f- seek out the South Korean listeners and have them on as a guest. I'm do not a Skype. Sh- yeah, that, all right. I'm up for that. Why not? Like, imagine. Oh my god! Like, imagine it turned out it was soy, and we all just doing Gangnam Style. <laughs> can you imagine that? Have I just completely stereotyped all Koreans? Into yeah, yeah, big time on a political broadcast. I'd like to distance <laughs> any of our guests from what I have just said. That's just my small. Small brain, not being able to process the global size of the globe. That doesn't even make sense either. No. Back to Dunleary, which I do know about. <laughs> I know not everybody listening is from this constituency. But we've tried to do it in a way that it touches. We, we Look, every, everything that we do on this podcast, we try to give a little bit of belly brack to the world. Because me and Graham are from the brack and we love the brack. And the brack is part of the Dunleary constituency and the borough. And we I try more than you do. Okay. <laughs> what are you joking? Fair enough. Like I don't, I don't. I love the people more than I love you. <laughs> One nil. <laughs> um, so you can love the brack, but it's the people that matter. Beat that. I should have been a politician. <laughs> you should have been. Um, so we try to bring a little bit of that community to a wide scale audience, and what we've done is we've asked the the, the, the candidates to give what their party nationwide represents, to try and broaden the horizons a little bit for people. But to give you an idea of Dunleary, as we said, it's traditionally a Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil constituency. Since the 80s, then Democratic left kind of edged their way in with Gilmore and co. That turned into Labour, and Labour have had a seat. But I generally don't think Labour are going to retain their seat this time around. No, I don't think so. Sinn Féin have never held a seat in this constituency. Ever. In the history of this constituency, they've never, ever, ever held a seat. I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to change this time around. It's going to be very hard based on history, yeah. I was going to say, facing it, like, in truth, they're battling for one seat and history isn't on their side with this one. No. So, I don't, like, look, I wish all all the candidates well, but this is just me speculating. Yeah. So, but, um, look, enough waffling out of you and I. Shall we just let them hear from the people who matter? Yeah. You're listening to What's the Story podcast. General Election Special 2016. Get out there on Poland Day. Put a number beside the candidate that you want. Make it happen. Vote or die. <laughs> Remember that campaign? Vote or die. What was that again? Was that Barack Obama 2008? Was it? I think I remember Jay Z and all going, vote or die. Oh, I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They had a big concert and all. They did. It's very dramatic. Yeah. In truth, lads, if you don't vote, like, all it's The Rock happen. got involved. Rock your vote. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Man. Irish Rock, pol- what a man. Irish politics is lacking some serious person. Imagine The what, Rock. Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> yeah, imagine The Rock coming over here and just walking into the doll and just being like, yeah, come on. If, deadly, if you smell it? what Ender Kenny's cooking or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be deadly, wouldn't it? He can't, the last couple of weeks, we can't go a week without mentioning any wrestling That's or wrestling. That's true, we're mad for wrestling. Anyway, look, lads. Um, as I said, this intro is the same for all 
the candidate so you can skip this essentially skip to the 25 minute point and you'll hear from the candidate so look listen to it the first time though yeah <laughs> so once you've listened to this intro once you don't have to listen to it again you can just skip to the 25 minute mark and that's where the candidates kick in and that's where you'll be able to educate yourself on rather you want to vote for them or you don't simple as that but anyway look thanks for listening um enjoy the candidates Okay, so we've been joined by a uh, Renewal Ireland candidate for the Dunleary constituency in the 2016 general election, Frank Cronin. Frank, firstly, thanks for taking the time out of your campaign to come in to us. Delighted, thank um, you. Much appreciated. Uh, how are things going on the doorsteps, I suppose, first and foremost? I suppose on the doorstep, is a, it's a, being a first-time candidate, the doorstep is a very interesting place. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it, I think, a lot of uh, knocking at doors would renew your faith in, in, in Irish humanity. People are very decent. People are very uh, open. People are, uh, discuss uh, many, many issues with you. And, um, you know, for me, the, probably the surprise is that the Eighth Amendment comes up so mm. much. I think it's very important to people. It could be because of, of their perception that Renua or Lucinda is a pro-lifer and that we're all this right-wing pro-life uh, group and they, they ask about it. But I think that people are very um, very inquisitive about it. They're very. Uh, it's the one issue that probably surprised me in opening the doors because people are very uh, interested in that issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that, that's, in a very, that, that's probably the one big surprise. And, and, and as I said earlier, the other surprise is how decent people are. In fact, actually... How they respect the political operation, yeah. I think they respect the fact that people put themselves forward. I think they respect the fact that people actually, you know, that the political process is important. I think that that the, you know the national narrative at times suggests that that um, that uh, there's a disrespect for politics, and I, I don't find that at the door. Maybe on a one-to-one basis, I, mm. I think that maybe they're they're fed up of the of the kind of the, the lot of it in some ways, but actually on an individual basis, they're quite decent about it. Absolutely, um, I suppose. We'll get on to all things, the Eighth Amendment and all that as well, but you, you said it there yourself, you're a first-time candidate, um, and I suppose maybe through ignorance on my own part, when I looked at the candidate list for Dunleary, it was you were the ones that I was least familiar with. So can you tell us a bit about yourself, a bit about yeah. your background, that kind of thing? Sure. I suppose, look, I was born in Cork uh, 53 years ago. Hope the rebel uh, came. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, um, and I moved to Dublin in 1986, so I'm longer in Dublin than I'm... Uh, I've uh, I'm, I, I'm in, I've been in Cork, uh, even though I haven't lost, lost a Cork accent yet. <laughs> <laughs> my my kids say when I ring home, it comes back even even harder. <laughs> um, I, I suppose look, since I left Cork in '86, I came over to Dublin. Then I moved to Barcelona, uh, and I moved to St Petersburg, and I moved to London. So I've lived I lived in uh, in these cities uh, for a number of years, yeah. and then came back to Dublin. Uh, we we moved to Sandy Cove in 1993. We're living in in Albert Road since since 1993. I've got three children, um, Martha, Emily, and James. They went to uh, Clooney, the Harold, uh, uh, Ratdown, and Blackrock, and one of them is in Vancouver now. The eldest Martin in Vancouver. The other girl is in is, Emily is doing architecture in UCD, and my son is in fifth year. So okay. we're, we're you know we're part of the community. We're here yeah. for a long time and. Um, this is home, and there's no going back to Cork, unfortunately. <laughs> and y- your your son in Vancouver, did he have to go? Yeah, my beca- daughter. Sorry, your daughter mm. um, in Vancouver, did she have to go because of the recession? I th- I, not, not, she finished uh, college only last summer, so I guess the recession was somewhat, you know, was certainly Dublin was coming, was getting better. I think she did feel, she does feel there's not much here for her. Mm. I think she does feel that it's hard to earn, earn a decent living here. I think she does feel... 
unenthused about Ireland, and I think that's a pity because I don't feel like that, but she feels a bit like that. I think that there's a general, there seems to be a kind of a culture within her, her class and her classmates, or that sort of, that age group, that, you know, Ireland isn't, isn't a great place to be. And I think that's, yeah. you know, it's a pity. You know, I think Sad, that's, yeah. yeah, I think it is a pity. You know, I think we've got to, we've got to reflect as people about that, right? You know, why is it that, um, that we don't feel like that? And, I, and, and you know, it, there's another thing that, that brings me on to this. It's like, is it, can I bring it, to, bring it to the left a little bit? Um, you know, when I lived in Barcelona, you know, the Olympics were coming up, right? It was a really exciting time. It was buzzing, right? But within that, they actually brought their language back, right? And they brought their Catalan language back. It, was, it, was, it wasn't dead, but it was actually, you know, a very... I mean, Franco had depressed the language and it yeah. had rid the country of the lang- or the, the, that part of Spain of the language. And they, they used the, the Olympics to bring it back and they, they, they generated great pride about their, about their province or about their, what, they, what they'd say is their country, Catalonia, right? Yeah. Um, and the language became a ver- came from being a second language to being the, the most important language in a couple of years. I look at our pride and our, our our capability to use our own language and say it's you know we actually disrespect it we actually we teach it badly we disrespect it and actually that 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 teaching and and love of Irish sort of festers into a love of Ireland like why do we not love our country like why do we why do we not actually feel that pride and we do feel the pride in some ways I don't not suggest that we don't feel that there's no pride but because there is some pride in being Irish yeah. I don't mean it like that but there is. There's there's certainly no no love of Irish the Irish language there's no real respect for it and that's mm. and there's you know within as you, as you just asked about there's no, my daughters are, and her and her uh, her classmates you know they probably feel even lesser pride about being Irish than we did and I think that's really sad and I think we've got to work out what's wrong with our country that they, that they feel like that so we've got to figure out that we must be a better country than that yeah. so would you think then that Amongst younger voters, maybe south of thirty, let's say, there's kind of disillusionment. There's almost this feeling of being fed up with things, the status quo almost within the country. Well, I, I, I'd agree. I think there, I think there is. I, I think, I think that we don't have inspiring leaders. I don't think, you know, there is a there's somebody to look up to in our in our in our political leadership. Mm. I think they would feel them as dull. Um, you know, uninspiring and 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 not um, uh, not doing anything for them, and I think that's that's wrong. Or the country doesn't feel like it's doing anything for them, and you know, it's you know, I I don't know what, what why that is, but but I think that's there, and we think we should tackle it. What do you think they'd be looking for in in a leader? I guess it, I guess they want somebody who will articulate a vision of what being Irish is about but actually delivers on it I don't think Enda can carry the argument about we're, we're a great little country because it sounds like and it feels like he's saying it in a in a way that's that's uh, not honest and he actually doesn't live to it I guess if I was if I was thinking what do we want to be we want to create what does the brand Ireland and if I, talk, if I talk in, talked in marketing terms we'd say what does the brand Ireland mean and how do we live to it I think we should actually start having a vision for that and start living to it, and we start actually behaving like that. And that means we do have to, you know, it is horrible to see people sleeping uh, on the streets. I mean, it's wrong. We should not accept it. And it, You know, for me, seeing a man living in his car on Kalini on Bullock Harbour is wrong. And we built a library for 45 million, and we couldn't find a house for the man. There's something fundamentally wrong about that, right? There's something, you know, we can't, we, we seem to accept banality, 
as okay. And our politicians seem to accept a level of banality. That's banal. That's wrong. But they seem to accept. It's like, not, you know, so that's happening. Do nothing about it. Build a library. There's something wrong. No, the library is great. Great for us. We live five minutes from it. It is a fantastic facility. But I'd prefer to have that man housed than, than it's, the library. It's about kind of prioritising, really, isn't it? It's about, like like you said, 45 million, li- million libraries. I've been in the library, by the way, and it's, it is a good facility. Fantastic. I've been at a couple of the 1916 celebrations there. And it, it, it sure is fantastic. It is. But I would have to agree... A man sleeping on his car, and there was actually more than one man. Oh. Uh, that's a Bullock Harbour. There was three or four men sleeping on Cliney Beach. Cliney Beach, that's right. In tents. That's right, that's right. Mm. Like, there's something. There's, there's a growing uh, gap between the rich and poor in this country over the last 10 I, years. I, 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 don't, I, I don't necessarily accept that point. I mean, that may be true. Sorry, yeah. but I, I don't, I, I, not that I don't accept that point. I think it's a different point, right? I think that actually... <coughs> There's a standard to which we must not let people go below. And we must find that, that standard apparent if it's wrong. And actually, we don't. We accept that that man sleeps in his car. And we still do. That's wrong. We accept that people live in Kalani Beach in this cold weather. And it's wrong. And that should be the priority, to sort it. But actually, we just get mumbo-jumbo talk that actually means nothing. Yeah. And nothing is done. And that, I think that feeds back to what my daughter feels. Like, nothing is really done. There's just political talk. And it's time to come away from that. That We must have a level of integrity when we talk about what we're going to do. Because if we have people sleeping in our cars, we ain't a good country. What can Renew Ireland do for people who are sleeping on beaches and, and sleeping on, on, in their cars? First of all, we have to have an integrity of, of discussion, an integrity of, of action and a truth to what we do. That's the first important thing. That's the first and most important issue. Because then you can actually do something. Then when you actually say something and you try to do something, you can get something done. Secondly, we have to actually re-motivate our public servants and actually get them motivated to be, public, to be of public service. And we've got to get them to love their jobs and be, be respectful of what the jobs need to, need to be. And actually... The difficult thing now is the culture of the public service needs to be changed to where we actually we give them the respect, they feel the respect, and they, they get the respect for doing great work. And we reward that respect and that great work. And great work that they do won't permit a man to live on the beach. Great work that they do won't permit a man to live, on, live in his car. And we need to actually reward and find the ways to do that. And we need to get value from people's tax-paying money to make sure that that's never done, that never happens, and actually, and we actually prevent that that social injustice from being the per- pervasive. Do you think it's acceptable, um, Frank, for um, volunteers to spend all their valuable time in helping the homeless? I, I think volunteers are they, are they doing the job of someone that should be doing the job? I think volunteerism is a very good thing. It's a good for our community. I think that volunteering is part of our social fabric. That's important. And I think that that, you know, that is part of our societal makeup. And of every good... If we were designing our country from scratch and we could re- rearrange it, we would have a place for volunteerism. And actually that people... 
you know, people, I think that the, your, your suggestion that volunteers are giving up their valuable time, I think they're getting valuable time no, as well. I, I, I know, I know, I know yeah. you're suggesting, but I, what I'm trying to say is... They're doing it because they want to do it. Yeah, and I, that's that, right, that, and I, yeah. think that, I, I think that that is a good thing, right? <laughs> but they're and also I, doing it because there's something missing in I the think structure. Maybe, but the other way to look at it is, actually, we should actually give them great respect. Yeah. And actually, we should say that that's part of our social fabric, that actually what they give, and that's a good thing, that actually we must facilitate and create that, that role. Now, there, the, the, the social fabric has to work from, from government, and government has to perform, and we've got to have measure, a measure of performance, and that's what we're proposing, mm. a, a societal measure of performance that actually measures our performance, measures our society's performance in, in, with all the qualitative, all yeah. of the, the social social service aspects of it that's measured and told to the people clearly. Like Fine Gael said before the last election that they create a website which would do this and they just dropped it when it didn't suit them. Yeah. That's wrong. My point is though, Focus Ireland, the Simon Community, uh, Father McFerry Trust, mm-hmm. these charities would not need to be there if if the crunchy was run correctly they're there for to help the homeless and to feed people maybe but actually maybe they should be there maybe the, maybe the government has to get in behind it maybe there's actually there's a joint effort there in other words people some parts of people organizing themselves that might be the most effective way for our country to be organized and actually it's a good thing to have for the mcferry it's a good thing to have focus ireland and it's a good thing to have professionals and and people who are of interest gathering together to do something and that might be the more more effective way for us to structure ourselves so i i i i think it would be it would be wrong to suggest that they don't have a role in a perfect society i think they do have a role yeah. in a perfect society just which i'm not i'm not i'm Please. not saying that yeah, um, i know we're slightly in a different I, place but no but i'm, I'm just kind of i'm just I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get to the i'm trying to get to the homeless point okay? okay the homeless situation in this country is not acceptable it's at crisis levels um my point is that if the country was run, run correctly in those in that sector we wouldn't need s- saints like Father uh, McFerry, Peter that. McFerry. We wouldn't need him. No, we, we, we wouldn't need folks. Like they're there because there's something missing. Yeah. So how how I, are you? How is Renewa? How is Sinn Féin? How is Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil? How are all the opposition? How are they going to help the homeless crisis? Well, okay, there's there are, there are a number of different homeless crises. Crisis is however you say the plural of crisis, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a percentage of of our people, of every country's people, who, you know, endemically, you know, find it difficult to fit in, and and actually are are have drug problems or whatever, and they find it difficult. There's a diff- That's one section which which need which needs great care and need, needs a, you know, needs a an, an intervention system which actually helps them to get off the street and actually helps them to 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 cater for their lives in a different way that's one form of homelessness the other form of homelessness is actually that that's full full intervention care is needed you know social work needed that's full intervention right the other form of homelessness is is what we probably have more in here in in this constituency in that the cost of housing is way beyond most people the reality is if you're the the chances of my children living in my area is pretty close to zero. The reality is they will never be able to borrow enough, and that's what they would need to do. In fact, they'll never even be able to save enough to get 
the the the, the what you could the twenty percent. Um, um, sorry, I can't remember the force the deposit. The deposit, yeah. right on it, right? Uh, they'll never be able to. They, they, like, not in a million years will they be able to. Will they be able to actually even save enough for the twenty percent deposit? Not in mind should they ever borrow the remain the other eighty percent. If you get what I mean, it's weird. The, the average cost of a home in this, and, I, and I'm going to come back to the homeless in a sec because yeah. I know I'm slightly back to bringing you off. But the average cost of a home here is six hundred thousand. That's the average in this constituency. Mm. That's the average cost of a home. It might be slightly less at the extremes of the constituency, but in 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 the main Dunleary borough and in the main what that's the average cost of a home. Most of our young people will never be. And by the way, they should never be afford it because twenty percent deposit is one hundred and twenty thousand. You have to earn two hundred and forty thousand to actually get there. It's beyond yeah. to beyond the beyond. It, it it actually structurally makes our country too expensive. <laughs> and it's wrong, right? But then go back to the homeless side of it, right? We have a supply problem. I mean, I have a friend who is trying to get an apartment for the last three months. He goes, he's 53 years of age or 52 years of age. He's just back into that scenario where he needs to live alone. And he's finding it impossible because he's going and he's, he hasn't needed a, a accommodation for a long time. And he's going and he's competing against 10 young people and... He's losing every time because he's yeah. a, an ugly old fella like me. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, and that's like, and he's homeless more or less, right? Because he he can't not just because he doesn't have the money, but he can't compete with the, with 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 uh, with um, with people for you know he can't compete with the beautiful young girl who's got who's who's got her Chanel bag. He can't compete with that. He doesn't look the part. Well, right? And the other homeless is, is actually people who can who can never afford. Yeah. You know, we've got to create. We've got to create. You know. We've got to create forty thousand homes a year, in the right places to actually get out of this problem. We we want to do it where we actually bring private pensionable money in, where they get a basic decent return, and it's very because returns now are very low on money. Yeah. So it's a very good way of of us funding it. Five billion into it, get our forty thousand homes built, release the supply, and supply supply will solve the problem. Now, obviously, it takes time. Uh, okay, I suppose. I don't want to get too bogged down because there's obviously a lot to talk about but just on that uh, one of the biggest things you're hearing about at the moment is there's about 1,500-1,600 children in emergency accommodation at the moment there's family staying in B&Bs there's you know people who because of upward only rents their you know their rent got put up they can't afford it anymore they've nowhere to go this constituency has I suppose, a divide in the sense that there's some very affluent areas and there's some very sort of, you know, for, for want of a better label, I, I don't like to label it, but working class, yeah, that sure. kind of thing. And I know... Um, you were to rent a house anywhere here, it's expensive. It doesn't matter where it is. Yeah. You know, you go to you go from, from Sandy Cove where I live to Ballybrack or, or, <coughs> or to Salinogan, it doesn't matter. They're very expensive for anybody. But what I'm trying to get at is that with all that sort of taken into consideration within this constituency in particular... And then you look nationwide and you're saying we need to build 40,000 homes. In the right places. In the right place, And that's the key, Absolutely. in the right places. But where, for, for the people who are in well, crisis in this area, well, well, where is there to build? Where is there to, for the property to be, well, there, be put in? There's a lot of land in Cherrywood. A, a, lot, lot. Of that's, a lot of that's being zoned and is currently in the process. Of, sure, but, but again, our government owned that land mm. until recently. Our government... The people we actually yeah. put into power own the land. The people who and they own lots more land, and they have a lot of questions to answer as to why they chose to do X instead of Y. Okay, it's uh, it, it, it's it's I don't understand. 
if we know our, our people have a problem getting housing yeah. and they give it to somebody else, they've got a lot of questions to answer there. Mm. No, and I, I'd completely agree with that, but I suppose that, so that, that Cherrywood area, that, that entire, it's there are, huge. There are banks of land available mm. and there are banks of land being kept. We've got to actually put on a use it or lose it game. So these, these are within NAMA, yeah. is it? Yeah. Okay. And outside NAMA. Okay. If people have banks of land that we as a, as a country need, yeah. we've got to do something about it to release it so we can build homes for people. And the homes have to be in, in a place where, where, where people have access to, to services, people have access to, private, to public transport, and the lands are available. But we've got to, The difference between living here and in Spain mm. is in Spain, the people are the most important thing. In here, we seem to think property owners are the most important thing. We've got to change our psychology. And we've got to make people the more important thing. And government has to, has to be for the people, okay. by the people, not for, for a section of the community. No, that, that, that's a fair point. Um, I suppose, kind of, to, to, to move along then, you, you mentioned nearly at the outset then about a vision for Ireland and that. What would your vision for the constituency of Dunleary be for the next five years? Well, I want to create business in the, in the community. I want to actually, or, or, I, mean, I look at Dunleary High Street, And I look at, at its street that has 60 empty shops. Six, not one, not five, 60. And I can't understand how these councillors actually think they're doing a good job. And they're going up for election and people might choose them. It's, there's something bizarre about it. Like, I'm concerned about Carrick Mines and saying, I've just seen the re recent sale of a, of, of a piece of land attached to Carrick Mines for 45 million. Another 45 million, but a different one from the library. And, and that, that's... What that, or 50 million maybe, but what that means is that actually there's going to be a strong development in Carrick Mines. That means that more shopping, more, and that Carrick Mines was, was built to be a large box sales unit. In other words, if you wanted to go and buy a bed, if you wanted to go and buy a fridge, that's where you went. But if you want to do your shopping, you should be doing it here. But that's going to change. I, you, you will see that up in Carrick Mines now, there will be a, 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 a done stores, Maybe. Dunstores may put a flagship, and I'm not sure if it's Dunstores, could be Tesco, could be any of them, but, but we should not let anybody do that. We should, have, we should force Dunstores to redevelop their store, and, and the five or four or five shops they have next to their store, which they're, they're, lying, they're letting lie vacant. We must be in control of our town, and we must make our town a place for people where people meet and are part of the community. We've got to learn from the UK. We've got to learn from around the country where, where actually you build. You build shopping centres outside of the town, you kill the town, but you also kill the spirit of the community. So, so what would, if elected, what would the first thing you do to try and put those measures in place well, be? Well, the first thing we want to do is create a tax system which rewards hard work and which gives people more money to spend. Just the flat rate of tax. This is the flat rate of tax, that's what it's called. But actually, what we should call it is the, the tax that rewards people's hard work. And what we, should, what we want to do is do that. And we want... To, We know that people who earn more money spend their money in their local community. And then we want to create a system where the local towns are empowered and the bids are empowered to create business and to create employment and to create the social infrastructure for our towns to be a lively place and for the towns to be the centre of our community. That's what we want to actually build. You've got to empower people. You've got to encourage people. We want to make people independent, not dependent. 
I mean, my difference between Richard Boyd Barrett, I want one of many of the social values he wants, but I want to make people independent to do it for, with themselves. I don't believe in, in the dependence dependency because I think it's bad for people. I think it's right for people to make them independent, empower them, and actually give them the social spaces and the community spaces to live their lives in. That's where, where we as a community have to be. We have to be well-paid, taxed appropriately, get good value for our public service, and have good community spaces to work to get to, to work and live together and form the, the kind of community, the kind of Irish people that we are, friendly and interesting and conversational people. Yeah. And it sounds great. It sounds almost like a utopian society in many but, ways. But, but, but see, if we don't go for something, mm. if you don't have a vision and go for something, well, you have nothing. Because all we have now is no plan. Yeah. Well, it's time for a plan. Okay. Um, with that planned in, um, as you mentioned, there's a number of empty units in Dunleary, and it's one of the questions we put to other candidates that we spoke to as well. The, when you talk to shop owners, when you talk to restaurant owners down in Dunleary, one of the things you say is just rates are too high, parking fees are too high. You know, we've talked to councillors within the Dunleary County Council Obviously, you wouldn't have that same background. I don't have. I don't have the background. Yeah, I so suppose. I, I suppose. First of all, um, it's extraordinary that a, that, that a, a council that actually has the capacity to spend forty-five million on a library could yeah. ha, could have the capacity to overcharge its businesses. And if that's the case, I, I I'm not an expert in this because you you do lack experience in some of the local issues when you're not a councillor. So okay. To be, but but I but. You'd have to think the logic of this, that there's something wrong with, with 60 empty shops on our main street and building a library. Now, by the way, I love the library and I, I don't want to condemn it, but I, 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 find, that, I find something wrong in that. Secondly, um, I, I think that our country has too many teachers running it. Nothing wrong with teachers. They're great, it's a great profession, but having four teachers on the economic committee is wrong. We need a broader breadth of people to actually run the country and who can instill a vision, who can see how to cha- make things change because I don't think these people can. I think secondly, we need people, we need, in our, in our three, three TDs were elected, you know, t- the two, two of the favourite people to be elected are more, two more teachers. Something wrong with that. We, we need business people to actually envision change and we need people who want to envision. It doesn't have to be business people but we need a different range of people. Uh, Dunleary needs a business development thinking that actually says, how do we actually get business here? Look look at Dunleary. It, it is a beautiful place to live. It is a beautiful place to, to, to actually work. It's, it, I, I have a friend from Wexford. He says, we have 800 bedrooms, hotel bedrooms in Wexford. Wexford's a town of 15,000 people. We have 237 bedrooms, hotel bedrooms in Dunleary town. Mm. You know, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. Why can we should have a thousand bedrooms, hotel bedrooms, bringing a thousand people here or three thousand people here a week, to enjoy and 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 and, and you know enjoy our, our beautiful seafront, our, our restaurants, our bars. We should then look at how do we actually create business on our main street. What's the strategy for that? How do we actually think? How do we? F- play a role in that how do we actually facilitate startup companies to move in above the shops or how do we you know how do we find ways to, to make real business happen there's real bit you know there's an over overflow or over um, undersupply of commercial uh, rental premises in the middle of town how do we become the de- destination for that 
Would you build more hotels, Frank? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, would I build it? I think we should, I think... I, in Dunleary, like... I would want Dunleary to be a tourist centre. I think it's got all of the right attributes. I think we should, we should, we should examine how do we do that? How do we become so a tourist, a tourist destination? How do we make that interesting for people? How do we make that something that actually creates business for our community, for our children, for our, for our community? As, as Danny pointed out, there's there's not much land for housing. Is there much more land for hotels? Well, well in my view, we should actually have one hospital, not two. We have two hospitals in our in our constituency. You know, we should have one really good hospital. And probably it shouldn't be in Main Street or Dunleary. We should make that, in my view, much of that land into 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 hotel space. And we should have one one good hospital with all of the facilities. And with, with, a, with a full... for it, we should That should be a respected centre of excellence. This community, and, and including North Wicklow, and you, you include Bray and Greystones, you include that, and we have a big population. But and we have no we have no hospital in any serious case has to fly into St Vincent's. We having two small hospitals is not the smartest thing for us. Uh, I'd agree to an extent with certainly, you know, anything serious and it's into St. Vincent's. Yeah. Actually you can see the backlog in Vincent's right. and you hear nurses talking about it That's and right. everything. But when you say close down one and have just no, one I'm saying that we should have a great day centre. Okay. In uh, in St Michael's. Right. That's where we where, where all of, much of the stuff that's been done there now can be done in the Good Day Centre, which is what we want to bring bring health closer to the community, keep it close to the community. That's right, but we want one centre, one hospital, where we have one proper A and E, one proper you know unit for whatever specialists it would have, but but. All the major... So a, a revamp of Lockenstown Hospital then? But, but, but I'm talking about a, a hospital that's actually you know, of similar, similar size to Arkeen and Waterford. You know, a, a significant okay. regional hospital that actually has all the specialism and actually provides all the employment instead of two half-baked hospitals. And that releases lots of land, and there's lots of land around there that's council land. Mm-hmm. And then we say, how do we how do we create a town, town square here? How do we create a centre that actually that people want to come to? How do how do we actually f- find business that actually people want to come to? And how do we look at how do we shape that in our relationship with, with Dublin? And actually, how do we make this a centre, the next centre? Okay. Like, you know, there, there, not everything should be in the centre of Dublin. Not everything should be in City West. A vision can get something here. No, we've got to find that vision. Now, you know, we've got to find how to do this, and we've got to be smart in how to do it. And we've got, but see, they don't want, the others don't want to do, do anything. They just want to keep it the same. It's time to actually want to do something. That, that sounds like a, a big, big project, a big rejuvenation project. Yeah. The, the lifespan of a government is, at most, five years, mm-hmm. all going well mm-hmm. for that government. Mm-hmm. If Renewa are a part of the next government, um, it's a big project to undertake in five yeah. years with everything see, else. You, I, I'm not... I'm I'm doing this for what's right. Okay. Okay. Not for what's convenient for my five years if I if I was to be elected. Forget about look. People can choose me or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is we do the right thing. What matters is actually we have a vision that actually if it takes time that's it. By the way, all plans take time. Yeah. So yeah, so be it. But you know something? If we don't start now, we never start. So like if we don't start having a vision for here, for what we want to be about, for where Dunleary sits in the world. Where Dublin sits in the world, for where Ireland sits in the world, what are we at? Like, I mean, like short-termism is what is part of our problem. The political infrastructure of short-termism is wrong, and you know we can't. I can't actually. I I, I can't uh, contribute to a debate 
uh, properly if I have to think like a politician. Yeah. It's actually no, just going from, going from election to election. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be, I, I only want to do what's right. You know, I don't necessarily, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in politics if, I, if it's not, if just to survive. I don't, I don't want that at all. I yeah. want to actually do what's right, and I'm perfectly willing to pay the price for, for that either way. But the only thing I'm interested in is, actually, let's do the right thing. No, it's, it's refreshing to hear that in many ways as well. Um, you know, whether you agree or, or disagree, I suppose, it, it's good to see somebody who has a bit of conviction and certainly, you know, believes in what they're saying, and, and you definitely seem to do that. One of the things, I suppose, that every party has to take into consideration then is the person at, at the helm. So Lucinda Creighton is obviously the, yeah. the party leader. Um, in one of the leaders' debates building up to this election, the question was posed, it, 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 for want of a better phrase, who would renew and get into bed with? And Lucinda has said pretty much anybody, so long as they can have a significant say or they can have control or whatever, of whatever they need to. Yeah. What would you envisage being the key areas then that renewal would want to play a part in? Well, obviously, the, the first important part is we want to, we want to actually a commission on our flat tax system to actually see what it, you know what is the right taxation system for for us as a country for our people. How do we actually maximize our tax take, maximize people's take home pay, and actually you know what's the right shape of it, and what's the navigation from from our current system to that, and how do we keep control of our public finances and our, and and get the quality of services to work and and answer that question, and that's. That's the first important thing, because we, we fundamentally believe that the current tax system doesn't work. Okay, so that's, we want to actually, 17 different types of taxes wrong, and the super wealthy being able to afford the best accountants, the best lawyers to hide a lot of their income is wrong, or to, to use devices to, to not pay tax and a lot of their income is wrong. And we want to change that. So let's take that out. So that's a red line issue. Um, crime is a very important issue. You know, we feel... That, that, you know, I go around from door to door here, and the saddest thing is to, is to actually f- hear four locks being unlocked by an old woman who's nervous in her home, and that's wrong. Mm. And, and she says, I'm nervous, the guard station was closed up the road, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that wasn't right, because it might have been right, but, but, but they're nervous because of it. That makes them nervous, right? But they're nervous also because that people people who have a series of, of serious convictions, many serious convictions, are not are not actually in prison. There doesn't seem to be a, a punishment that fits the crime, and so that's wrong. So this goes points towards your three three X marks and three strikes in your yeah. I mean, if you, if, if so no, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not actually. Three strikes that you're gone for life. It's not that. That's not the policy. The, okay. poli- the policy is actually that if you do. St- if you do three serious crimes, so just define the serious crimes for us. Uh, there. I mean, a, 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 a personal attack on a, a personal attack on somebody, you know, an armed or physical abuse of robbery. Um, uh, so so one of those. So one of those three times. Yeah, and you'd be gone. You'd be. You, know, you, you, you have to get a custodial sentence. Okay. Okay. The, the, the judge has to judge and what what the appropriate custodial, sentence, but it has to be custodial. Because you have to feel the punishment of, yeah. of you can't be permitted to walk around, you know. Like I'll give you the one history of a conversation. The woman says, "I just read the story in the journal saying this guy bottled a guy on the Lewis, and he had thirty nine previous convictions, and the girlfriend he's with him had twenty eight previous convictions. 
But why are they walking around, right? Mm-hmm. And if people do feel insecure about that, and I think that that you know there is there is something wrong with with our system where and it's wrong. It, it, it must be demoralizing for for Gardaí as well. You know, you go and you solve a crime and you bring the guy to court and you spend your day at court and they basically walk out again, mm-hmm. and you feel you know you feel unappreciated, uh, and 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 the the, per, the person who who incurred the, the crime. Not not the, not the, the, the perpetrator, but the, the person who was crimed against feels very hurt by it because they, 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 what happened then was isn't been isn't been uh, punished, and that's that's difficult. And I think that you know we we, we seem to have um, we seem to have fallen into a lax a, a lax uh, mechanism of actually punishing crime. People should be responsible for for their criminal activities. Yeah, I thought I heard uh, Lucinda say that th- three convictions like the ones that you've described, and I, I'm pretty. I don't want to definitely call, but I'm pretty sure I heard her say life is life. No, no, no. No, she said life is life. No, she said for some t- crimes, life should she should like when a life sentence should be hanging out. Should, be, should it's It should mean life. Right? So it should mean life, but yeah, that but not, doesn't that, that, mean not, no, that no, doesn't no, mean three strikes. No, 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 no on not at all. No, no, on a burglary. No, or, not at all. No, 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 no. I was just, yeah, no, no. I was just no, no. These are like the most heinous of crimes. She's mm. talking about not. This is when you know something that we that we as a, the person is is unsafe. <laughs> So, so murder or, or a serious murder. Yeah, like there are there are degrees of murder. You know, ah, and, 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 yeah. like this is one where where I think there there are times she feels that life should mean life. Is it? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who say that the the prison system is stretched already. Is this gonna, uh, in effect, put a further burden well, on it? Or there's a lot of people are right about that, and there's mm. a lot of people. We should actually review what is wrong with our prisons and say, um, one. Why are we actually imprisoning people for not paying fines? Yeah, you know, isn't there another way? You know, could we not tag them and actually say you've got to stay at home? <laughs> like it's much cheaper and it's probably more pleasant for them. But it, and it's it's a penalty, you know. And and being quite honest, is you know we're not really gaining anything for locking up a guy who didn't pay a thousand quid fine. If you get what I mean. I was going to say I don't think paying your TV license warrants you putting in the same. So, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not. It's not. And and we're 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 spending our time. We're spending our prison. Or prison time, locking people up like that, and you know, and not it ties up the courts as well. All, all, all of that. Yeah. So I mean, we, we, like, we've got to, we've got to be more practical here. Like the people who are a danger to people need to be locked up. The people who are not a danger to people, you know. By the way, there are white collar crimes which are not dangerous to people, but actually deserve deserve prison. So it's not about you know, we we can't be soft. We don't want to be soft on that either. It's not about uh, it's not about saying well, okay, a guy who who steals money is is this, and uh, a guy who uh, who actually you know uh, gives a guy a slap is a different issue it's not i mean there, there are serious white crimes issues that need need imprisonment too but but there are we've got to be more practical about what what prison is used for do, do you think that um your crime policy um would be kind of this it, it like is the special criminal court abolishment that's Sinn Féin's mm, uh, mm, kind mm, of policy. Mm. Is the three strikes or the life as life uh, renewal, is, is, are they the same? Are they? I'm not probably articulating no, that correctly, know. but are they... I suppose what I'm trying to say is that's Sinn Féin's kind of blue herring. Is this your blue herring, do you think? Because there's been a lot of questions about it. I don't think so. I, I actually think people are nervous. And I think that people are... I think crime is a very important issue. I think it's a really, really important yeah, issue, I think right? My point is that um, when Sinn Féin candidate is being questioned, they seem to be questioned a lot about the, special, the abolishment of the special. Is this a key card. issue? Is it's a key issue? Yeah. So you're, I think 
your um, crime policy is a key issue as well. You, oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're, you both your parties, like Sinn Féin, are being questioned a lot about it, and I think you, you, I think yeah. it's fair to say that yeah. both parties yeah. are equally being questioned about it. I, I, I think if your inference is, is that that uh, we're suspect on it, I think that that I, I don't think that's that's the case. I think that we're we're tough on it. I think that we should be tough on it. I think that that um, our our people want want it to be dealt with properly. But I think it's an intelligent toughness. I think we need to be intelligent. I think we need to understand that that there are people who need help. Yeah. And actually, we need to help them. Oh. There are people who need to be imprisoned. That we need to imprison them. There are people who actually need to be left out of prison. Yeah. And we need to leave them out. So it needs to be a, re- a good review of yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the the. But but we mustn't be shy about putting people away. And how would you feel about the abolishment of the special criminal score? Criminal court. How, I, wh- I, where do you stand on I that? I don't know. I, I don't know. Being quite honest, like I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think we're probably far. I, I, I don't. Not sure of the policy, and because I didn't need to, I need to come back on that. Mm. But I would guess, um, and I am, you know, I, I'm guessing because I haven't actually, I haven't read through that section of our manifesto. But I would doubt we're we're far. Mm. I, mean, I think that that the intimidation of witnesses happens. I think that the notion that um, that a witness should be put into the witness, or sorry, a, a, a witness in a criminal trial, that, that it's credible for them to actually have to go up their lives and go mm. somewhere else—that's that's bizarre, right? Mm. I think that if if people are being intimidated, then there's something wrong with our system, mm. and uh, so we need to protect them from that. That's wrong, and then, like I think in the recent uh, Slab Murphy trial, there was there was certainly suggestion that some of the witnesses were afraid to, to testify. Mm. And that's you know if if that's the case, well, we've got to actually we've got to we've got to we've got to make sure that nobody is afraid of of an alternative force, be it be it any type of force. Mm. So you've touched on crime, you've touched on tax, homelessness. one one uh, homelessness is not as well. Yeah. One other thing, then I suppose if the first one hundred days, I suppose always the measuring stick that people are given. What what other area then would you would you think to focus on? along with those three? Look, the, the question I'm asked most, most on the door is the Eighth Amendment. And yeah. I have to take that with me. Okay. Because it, because it's, it is the question that people most ask me about. And, and it's the que- I, get, I get 40 or 50 emails a day and it's the one I'm most emailed on. Now, it, it, it is lobby groups who are, you know, who have got <laughs> systems to fire emails to people. Like that. So, as I, as I said to you off, Mike, that, that, uh, that, you know, because of Lucinda's stance on, on, on the Eighth Amendment, it may, may very well be that I might be asked in an ordered amount of time about it. And the email system is, you know, the pro-life um, people are very, very active on email. And therefore, my, my, my opinion of its importance might be, might be overloaded, even though I doubt it. I am asked consistently about it. Um, it, I think it's a really important issue. I think it's a really yeah. sensitive issue. I think it's a not not a party political issue. I think it's a, it's it's an issue for all of us as individuals. Do do renew candidates have free choice? Free choice, or is that yeah, a whip yeah. situation. No, no, no whip, no, and no okay. whip, and it's a free choice as it is. In, I think in many in many parties. Mm. I, I'm not sure about Sinn Fein and Labour. I think they're probably. I'm sure they're whipped, but they're certainly straight party policy. I'm yeah. not sure they would incur a whip, impose a whip because I think it's a, I think being quite honest, I would respect anybody's opinion yeah it's kind of a moral question. i think it yeah. is and i think it's a very difficult moral moral question i think that that you know the life of the unborn is an is an important life and you've got to respect that and then the life, the, the life of the woman is a very important life the woman's choice is very important and for me you know i'd be for the repeal of the eighth amendment because actually i don't think i'd have the right to tell a woman what to feel mm. and, and and i often say that you know in the end of the day if one of my daughters said bring me to london i'd bring them to london so i can't 
I can't have that feeling. I, I can't know yeah. I would do that and not actually say, say you know, it's, it, that it's any different than that. Mm-hmm. I also think it's barbaric that we have the right to travel, which means that you can go to London if you want. That seems to be, to me, to be barbaric. You right? can do it so long as it's not yeah, a doorstep. Yeah, yeah, some kind of, yeah. you know, as a country. Yeah. Yeah. So I find that um, wrong. But I do have great sympathy for, for the pro-life people. And, and I've had, you know, some really good conversations with them on the phone um, because they're wrong and they're, they, they are very, very genuinely concerned. They really, you know, their, their fundamental feeling, and I, and I have great sympathy for it, is that the unborn is a, is a valid life, is an Irish citizen, is, is a, deserves the, 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 the respect and deserves the, 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 deserves the constitutional right to life. And, you know, and, and I think they feel, they feel that very, very fundamentally. And that's a, you know, I think that's a, that, that is a valid opinion. I think it's also a valid opinion when they talk about the media. Like they feel, uh, they feel the media is full of liberals who actually disrespect their view, and therefore, when, if if there is to be a debate on it, that the, the pro-life side will be misrepresented and 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 uh, and will um, will not get a fair hearing. And I think, to be fair, there's a validity to that view. That actually, you know, there is a very uh, left uh, le- left-centered liberal. Uh, you know, if you're, that's the normal psyche of a person who's attracted to journalism, and you know, I haven't worked in journalism or worked around journalism for the last twenty-five years. That's that is what is attracted, and they're decent people. They're well-meaning, but and they do want to find balance. But that is their natural feeling, right? And and I think that the right, the the right, or or the the, the pro-life people often feel that that that, that they that there won't be a fair hearing for them, and that's I think as a media group, we all need to be careful. You know that that they are given a proper share. That 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 they, yeah. you know, they're feeling that the right of the unborn is a very important right, needs to be respected and needs to be aired and needs to be aired properly. Uh, but look, you know, I find this one a funny one because um, not a funny one in in, in in fun terms, but a funny one in that that I, uh, you know, politically it might have been smarter for people for me for people like me to have been pro-life because I'd be, be you know I'd come from a party where people would assume would be pro-life and yeah. and but look you've got to be true to your conscience in it and I, I've told people I, I reply to everybody who write, emails me and I tell them what, what I feel and I tell them why I feel it and that's what it is so but I do think it's a really important thing so I guess in the first hundred days if I was doing something I'd have to reflect the fact that that's the case that actually this is an important issue how I would reflect it I don't know uh, being inexperienced in toilet politics, I, I, uh, I wouldn't know how to do it yet. But uh, but I would certainly think that we should actually. I would engage with the with, with people on it because I think I I think that's the most the first important thing. And I, and I think in the first hundred days I would have to engage in it because I think it is that important. It, it is as I said earlier. It is the issue which comes up at the door almost most. And you know yeah. when you consider that people are coming out of a, a difficult economy. It you know you think they'd still be self-serving, but they're not actually. They're still, they're, this is an issue for them. Absolutely, um, we're we're running out of time with you, Frank. Um, I've loads so more to say. <laughs> 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 I was going to say so before we let you go. Anyway, um, I suppose without, uh, I suppose, and in fairness, to you, you haven't really. It's it's interesting to actually speak to somebody who's running for election who hasn't kind of bashed the other party, so to speak. Um, this is my bashing day. <laughs> <laughs> I have my opportunity. Um, so why should people put a number one beside your name, or nationwide, why should people put a number one beside Renewa when it comes to the 26th and Poland Day? I suppose um, for, for, for Renewa, 
I think that that we've got a, a leader and, a, and an ethic in the com- in, in in the in the party that's 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 coming from a from a, a an integrity point, and I think that integrity is the most important point that we're bringing. That actually, you know, we have we we are telling people we are going to live and die by our integrity and we are not going to sacrifice our integrity and we're not in this for power, we're in this to actually to do what we think is right. And, and therefore the party, you know, I, I have great respect for Lucinda and I think she's a person of integrity and, you know, whites who don't agree on everything, um, she is a person I, I, I greatly admire and I think she's, she's got the intellect and, 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 uh, and, and strength of personality to be to, to maintain, maintain that integrity and not to... Not just, to, to suck at the power, uh, uh, tit, <laughs> if you can say it like that. Um, <laughs> you can you know, say it any way you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that's important, right? I think I, I think for me, uh, I suppose I, I do think that, that um, you know, Dunleary needs a powerful voice. It needs a, po- a voice with passion that actually has a vision for the community. It needs a, a, a business person that actually has done things in, in, in a big organisation before, not actually, you know, just taught in schools. And I think it's time for 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 a, for a, a business um, centred voice to represent the community. It's time for somebody who wants to change the community to to, mm-hmm. to be given the opportunity to do it. And and I suppose it's, it's time for somebody who's got the conviction to carry that out to do something. Brilliant. And then I want to throw one at you from left field. I suppose you mentioned at the at the very top of the interview that you've lived in places like Barcelona, London, Saint Petersburg. You mentioned you were in Barcelona around the Barcelona Games in '92, and how that helped rejuvenate the Catalan language. If you had to take, I suppose you've you've mentioned that in the sense of it'd be great to see the Irish language rejuvenated here. Yeah. If you had to take something from, or the, or the sorry, pride of or the pride, the, the of pride, yeah, because yeah, and the language, but but the pride, the pride is probably more as important. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, yeah, no, sorry, I probably misquoted you there. No, no, I don't mean yeah. to, but I just want to make sure that you understand it properly. Uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so the, the pride then behind that, and, and the pride that was shown around. You know, an Olympic Games being in that mm, city. Mm, mm. If you had to take one thing then that you could have learnt or experienced from St. Petersburg and from London that you think would be worthwhile bringing to Dunleary, Dublin, Leinster, Cork, Munster, everywhere around Ireland, what would they be? Well, I mean, the, fir- the first thing, I'm going to restate it again, the first thing is, is the social, um, the, 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 the place in Spain where people come first. Mm-hmm. The people are the most important. Uh, that everything is for the people. That the people are the center of everything. That everything is run for 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 all of the people, and that they've got a fundamental right to be fundamentally part of it. We tend to run things here where you know it's for the people, but actually they got to stay outside the rope. You know, like in the, in the, the literati get inside. In Spain, that doesn't work like that. Everybody is part of it, and I think we got to change how we actually do it. That actually everything is for the people equally, and and uh, and that that there's um. There's always a, a center square, which actually uh, accumulates the people, and then everything is planned around that square, and everything is for that square because that's where people meet. Now the climate helps a lot, <laughs> so let's not let's not let's not forget the fact that ninety percent of the time it's sunny, so that does help the outdoor life. But you know our climate isn't as bad as we think because it rains less than we actually think. Uh, it rains a lot, but it rains less than we think. Look, I guess that's the thing, and I, there's a sense of being, and in Barcelona there was a sense of being Catalan and a pride in being Catalan which is important. We should actually engender that pride and, and we should live to that pride and we should live, we should live together with that pride. And I think that's what, what we, should, we should foster. And I think the only way we're going to get that is actually by good politics. 
and by good people and being in politics and by, by, by having integrity at the core of it and actually getting people to believe in the integrity of the people at the top. And I think that, that it's very difficult for the old parties to do it because they've got too many, um, too many conflicts of interest. I think that they have too many bad relationships that already, to get to the powerful position, they've already sacrificed themselves and they're never going to be able to change. Okay. Frank, I had a question that I possibly could have, should have asked at the start. Anytime you want. But um, <laughs> you mentioned there you had 25 years kind of journalism experience, mm. like working in journalism. In, or in media. Media, so working in media. Why, why did the change to politics? Um, first of all, I suppose, uh, I used to go because when you're in media people think you you understand lots about the country and stuff right when you're the chief executive of news talk or chief executive of sunday tribune they think you actually understand right so i used to go to business meetings where lots of business people used to uh, used to speak and uh, and i used to be there with the head of uh, big financial accountancy companies or, or or insurance companies or what you call them they'd all be complaining about how the country's been run right and and um i'd always stand up and say actually, if you don't do something about it, if you think that they should run it and you stay in your good job, well, don't expect it to change. So that was my, we've all got, I used to say, we all have to get involved. We all have to join our local common, no matter how bad it is, we've got to join it and get involved. We all have to give something because if we don't give, well, you can't just blame them for doing it wrong. So I guess uh, I can't uh, be the hypocrite that actually uh, says that at, uh, with my passion at meetings, and then not live up to it. So that's that's my dr- that's one driving part. I suppose the other part is, you know, I have three children, um, and and it's important for me uh, that they live. They, I would prefer if they lived here. I would prefer if we were part of our. They were part of my community. I would prefer if they had a better country to live in. So I want to do this for my children. To make a change. Yeah, well, but it, there's two two parts to it actually. In a funny way, like I want I want them to see that we can do we can we as a family can do something, and I want them I want also see to send them to see that actually the country can be better. So I want to work for that, but I do believe it's up to us all to work for that and to believe in that and believe in that vision and and buy that vision. So I do you know there's a civic responsibility, and this is part of my civic responsibility to stand up. And I don't mean to be grandiose about it, but you know if we don't think like that, if we don't think you know as a great um, great people, we won't be great people. And so so I, I know I'm I'm this humble little idiot from Sandy Cove, but I'm, but so I have to start. I can only do my bit, and this is my bit, and the people will have the great chance to vote me or else I'll come last. <laughs> I'll, I'll slink out of the, you know, the yes with shame. <laughs> it's, uh, I tried, but anyway. <laughs> no, well, that's, that, that's brilliant. And look, we, we do genuinely wish you all the best with, with the election. And, um, I really enjoy it. It, it'll be an interesting one anyway no matter what I think but um, generally look all the best on the doorsteps all the best on Poland Day and again thanks so much for your time tonight oh, thanks a lot thanks, thank you so there you have it you've listened to the respective candidates um, that we had on as I said we didn't get all of them on but look you have a better idea now of what way it's going to work for during election 2016 Graham you said in the intro that you've already got your mind made up you're going to go one and two yeah. RB Barra, RBB and SOB SOB Sean O'Brien I'm so used to Sean O'Brien from the rugby yeah that's happened to be there I I am undecided still at the time of recording maybe as I edit this and I listen back to the people maybe that'll 
And if that does happen, I'll clarify in a later episode. But for now, I think what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to go off and do some deep soul searching and decide what I want to do. The only thing I, I probably... There's no social so, uh, social democrats in this constituency. Um, there's not, no. 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 I, think I'd, I think based on... Uh, Stephen Donnelly's performance in one of the leaders debates yeah he done I quite think well. I would have gave in the Social Democrats in number 3 the only caveat I'd put on that though is somebody put up a very interesting statistic okay. that of all doll votes that happened in the, in the 31st doll so the yeah. last uh, he wasn't there he was only there for like 15% of them and did you hear what his answer was back not saying that I agreed with his answer but his answer back was that um, that was in the last year he said the last year of this kind of uh, yeah. run he, him himself and the other social democrats candidates were trying to set up the party which i don't think is a real I excuse don't, i don't, I don't really buy it yeah. but yeah no it is a shock and if you're going to be a candidate if you're going to be in the doll go to all the vo- votes exactly like look it, to put it into the perspective if you or i didn't turn up for our job for 80 percent of the days we're supposed to be in yeah. we'd be fired we fired i thought what 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 i found interesting with um, we put the question to the candidates, you know, the first 100 days, what would you do? Um, Sinn Féin would cut TD's salary by 40%. I thought that was interesting. Would they, though? Yeah, but see, you could say that for all of them. Oh, no, absolutely, but that's exactly yeah, why I'm saying you it, could, for I, any of them. Based, based on what they're saying, I mean, I found that very interesting because I didn't know it was one of their yeah. policies. Um, but like you said, would they, though? But that's exactly how Enda Kenny went around... Um, the last general election with posters saying yeah. oh, I'm going to get rid of the trolley disaster. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. His five, his five and it's got plan. worse. Yeah. It's actually got worse. His five point plan. Did any of the points come up? I think three of the five. Three of the five. No, I I'm not 100 percent on that. No, I'm, not 100 yeah. percent. But if three of the five were up, I mean, it's not too bad. But then it's still well, it's broken five, promises. It's it not is, five. Yeah. Don't make five points if you don't uh, think you're going to do it. All I would say to anybody is turn. Your, your bullshit detector up a little bit. Have a think about it. It's very... I suppose it's easy to point out a problem, but ask yourself, have they offered a solution? Exactly. It's very easy to show in opposition politics, and it's very easy to say things that might sound populist, and might sound great, and might sound like, that's what we need. But... Ask yourself, and more importantly, ask the candidate. If they haven't called your doorstep already, drop them an email. Yeah. Drop, drop them. Like Frank said, he's responded to 40 emails he's, a day. Exactly. Nearly. Drop them a line on the Twitter. Drop them a line on the Facebook. Get in touch with them. If you have a concern about something that you want answered, or if you think there's a certain policy that you want to know where this candidate stands on that before you make up your mind on a vote, Ask them. That's what they're there for. That exa- Like, they're answerable to you. Ultimately, it's your vote that employs these people. They're answerable to you. So ask them the question. And as well as that, like that Danny said about the uh the BS radar. Yeah. Um block it out because I'll just give you my experience with the leaders debate, the RTE one. Um I was watching that and I had in my mind This is the one of Claire Bourne. The Claire Bourne one, very well Which I really enjoyed. I T V three one was horrific. There was mm. a couple of, there was a couple of uh good comedy lines from Jerry Adams. <laughs> but other than that, the four of them, I thought were a disgrace. Yeah. Um, just shouting over each other and whatnot. But what I found interesting from my own uh, perspective, I was watching the leaders debate. I had in my mind, I texted you when I said my top three performers. Yeah. 
um, in order of I thought Donnelly was number one. Yeah. I thought Boyd Barrett was number two, mm-hmm. and I thought Adams was number three. Yeah. Um, and then RT did this spin-off called the Spin Room, where it was representatives of the parties, the press officers, and stuff like that. Yeah. Plus the media. Yeah. And when the presenter, um, God, I can't remember his name, the primetime guy, when he was asking people, you know, who did you think performed well, blah, 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 it was the complete opposite to me. <laughs> and I was thinking, were they watching the same debate? I think they're looking at it from a different angle, though. They're not looking at it from the angle of, I'm a voter. They're looking at it from the angle of performance-wise. So, mm. for example, while... Uh, the perfect example being Enda Kenny. Enda didn't do anything that would seem like a great leader in that debate. Enda didn't say anything that was outstanding in that debate. But he did very little wrong in that debate. He done very little that strayed away from what he would have been prepped on. He done very little that would have, you know, given the Fine Gael press guys a headache. He done very little. It was damage control. Exactly. He done and very little to draw debates. heat on himself. Yeah. And that is a solid performance for Enda Kenny because traditionally he's not great in a debate setting. Michal Martin is arguably one of the greatest debaters this country has or has ever had, but he didn't have a standout performance. He had a middle-of-the-road performance. He lost ground, I would say. I'd argue on it. Joan had a terrible performance. Terrible. And I thought Enda as well, I, I agree with you, by the way, yeah. in terms of the damage control and, you know, he did probably what his advisors told him to do and he did a good job of it. Yeah. But he also showed, in my opinion, in the two debates, that he is completely out of touch with the people, in my opinion. Mm, I thought, I just, because I, I'm basing it purely on when I listen to these leaders, I'm either nodding my head yeah. in, a, in, a, in agreement, or I'm kind of going, oh, my hand is in my head. Yeah. And that's how I purely base it on instinct, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with you about Ended that. He did He did well in as far as probably what he was told to do. He did it well. Hmm. But at the same time, he's completely out of touch. And John Thatcher was terrible. Jo- sorry, John who? John Thatcher. Oh, I'm not familiar with that person. John Burton. John Bo- Oh, okay. Yeah. John Burton. Maggie. Oh, that's a bit harsh on her, I would say. Um, but I... Look, for what it's I, d- I don't think it's harsh when they're supposed to be a social... Um, Ah, come on. Party. Come on, look, Labour in this country have very rarely been proper left. They haven't had a, a left-left allegiance in a long, long time. But that's what their whole it is, foundation but the, but, is. Yeah, no, and I agree with you, but Ireland has lacked, I would say, a hard-line left party for a long time. But they were supposed to be for the last... And it's only in the last, I would say, maybe 15 years you've seen an emergence of populist left. But their ideas before the last general election were very left but they didn't get to do well, it. Uh, they didn't, because like all junior partners in a coalition yeah. government, they, they got bent over the table and told what's what. <laughs> yeah. you know, They'd like, be decimated, like, I feel. R- remember, it's, it's Labour's way or it's Frankfurt's way. Yeah. Remember this? Remember Gilmore for Taoiseach? Yeah. Remember all this? And yeah. then it got changed to Gilmore we'll, for Tarnished so we can keep them in line. We'll, That's what it was. We'll burn the bondholders. They didn't, they're shite. Um, look, I, I, anyway, we're, we're going on a, a, yeah, a what's a story it, tangent. Yeah, I'll be open and honest about it. In the, the 2011 general election, I did vote Labour in Fianna Gael. Now, I can't see myself voting. I certainly won't vote Labour. I'm undecided. I'm rather than going to vote Fianna Gael. Um, 
Yeah, I just I think Labour are going to face an uphill battle. I do think Joan and Alan Kelly, so both leader and deputy leader, are facing a really, really tough battle to retain those seats. And if it's a case that Labour... When you look at who Labour have lost, sorry, they've lost Eamon Gilmore, they've lost Rory Quinn, they've lost Pat Rabbit. So they are three former leaders of that party and they're staring down the barrel of losing their deputy leader and leader. I mean, and Alex Boy, who would be seen as probably, you know... In the upper echelons of that party. He's not exactly guaranteed a seat either. So I mean Labour are really facing that. They'll be tough, decimated. They tough will. time. Like any junior party that goes in. Yeah you know. But look. That's just us. That's, that's just, just that's just us too. That's just two. Shooting the breeze. Two, two opinions of two ballybrack ruffians. <laughs> shooting the breeze and having the crack. But look lads get out there and vote. That's the main thing. Exercise your democratic right. And remember, we're brought to you by Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. I love this place, man. It, fe- <laughs> it feels like home. Just put the heating on there. It was lovely. Lovely it is, yeah. yeah. In the, in the gym, we used to freeze. Yeah. Because it was a big, four layers. big old gym. Happened. Yeah, we used to have to tell guests, look, it's practically a warehouse. You're going to have to dress up. <laughs> Do you know what? In here, we're offering them, would you like us to open the window? <laughs> what, you want the heating torn up a little bit? It's amazing. Got some water? Exactly. Do you know where else is amazing in here? What? The dungeon bar and grill. It's a fantastic place. And what's even better about it is that during the month of February, if you book a party, you get free finger food for all your guests. What's not to like? Who doesn't like finger food? Love it. Get yourselves up here. The Thai sweet chili sauce. All right, chapter 32. All right, right, Clark. Uh, get yourselves up here, lads. Enjoy the rugby. Enjoy the football. Enjoy whatever. It's a great spot. It's only a couple of minutes from your doorstep. The views are outstanding. The staff are outstanding. Love it up here. But look... That's our political one done. We won't be talking politics for a long time now after after this, unless it's to do with Donald Only Trump. Only the reaction of the, the Yeah, we'll, we'll only do a short House, Housekeeping. Yeah, housekeeping. And uh, we'll obviously be keeping an eye on Donald Trump because uh, it's hilarious. But thanks very much. Uh, we know it's a bit mad having kind of three episodes all at once. But, you know, it has to be done. It's yeah. only once every five years. This kind of boat rolls around, folks. So enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back next week with normal service resumed. So until then, good night and God bless. Adios. <laughs>